Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Instead of being alive and direct, coming from Los Angeles, it's been a while since we've last conversed. How have y'all been doing out there in Wonderland? Hope everything's going well on this beautiful Sunday. Hope you guys are out and about. Or wait a minute, if you're out and about, how are you listening to me? Okay, you're out and about listening to me on the uh, on your cell phone. Coming live from blogtalkradio.com forward slash I A K Debinga. People, it's this is a show. I, I got a few emails some time ago. Um, oh, first off, congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks from the Tampa Bay Lightning for making it to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. It's going to be a battle. I think it's the number two and number three seed. And hopefully next year my Boston Bruins will be back into the groove doing what they're supposed to be doing. We have new leadership in the cut. But maybe we'll do a show on uh, New England sports and stuff like that. I think these days it actually be quite uh, popular. People... Um, <laughs> This is a, we've been wanting to do this show for for a couple of weeks now. I meant to do it sometime much earlier, but I wasn't able to. Um, it was uh, the genesis of this group was actually an exam I had given some time ago um, that had to do with uh, you know finance and economics and stuff like that, what have you. And nobody, except for one student, a great student, uh, Andrea Moore. She was the only one that passed. Yes, I'm going to mention her name because, you know, I'm not saying anything negative. So she was the only that passed, and she studied hard, and she worked hard to, to do it, uh, to get a great score. Not the great score that she expects because she has high expectations, as I do of her, as I do of all my kids. But um, the disappointment I felt was palatable. And when I used that word in class, most of the kids didn't understand what I was saying in terms of the word palatable. Now, one thing that kind of stands out for me personally is the the school system just seems to be producing more of, I don't know what they're producing because I'm not sure what the school system wants. It seems like the school system wants our kids to graduate, 
but that's about it. It seems like our school system wants a few, you know, wants a few of our students to go off to college, but there's no advice on what to do once they get there. It seems like the school system, and this is, you know, uh, across the country, not all of them, but just enough of them, it just feels like we, you know, honestly, I don't know where to begin, (laughs) which is why this show came about. It just feels like we're failing our kids, and and the sad thing about it is that our kids are not aware of how they're being failed. There just seems to be a great emphasis on test scores that make the school look good, test scores that make the school system look good, test scores that show that the kids know how to memorize, but there just seems to be no emphasis. And I'm not talking about schools at large. I'm talking about schools overall because there are a lot of great schools. For example, there's that one in Chicago where it prepares the kids. It's an all-male school. It escapes me at this moment. But... Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the school. I'll see if I can get it before the show is over. But they graduate 100% of their students, you know, every year, and all of them go to college. So there are schools out there bringing the mission and, you know, holding the students accountable. But by and large, from what I'm seeing these days, people, I'm just frightened for the future of this country because the wealth gap is going to widen because knowledge is not only power. Knowledge is the way to economic freedom. You know, it's not about lucking into anything or anything like that. It's not about just hard work. It's really about knowledge. And it just feels like, you know, this last past year, there's a lot of social promotion where we're just passing our kids along. You know, they have a 65 in a class. We're going to round it up to a 70 because we don't want the kids to feel like, to feel left out or anything like that. So we're going to pass them on to uh, the next grade and the next grade and the next grade. Then they get to high school and, can't read, can't write, can't do anything. And this isn't all our kids, but for me, it's more than it's even acceptable. And for me, even if one child is struggling, that's not acceptable. But today's title, you know, Do High Schoolers Dream of Virtual Fails, it's actually, again, a play on words on uh, Blade Runner in reference to um, uh, that movie based on a book by Philip K. Dick called Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep. And it seems no matter what it seems no matter what the school system tries to do, it doesn't seem like the best interest of the student and the family supporting the student is of any importance whatsoever. That's how it's starting to look. All right. When I lately, uh, one of my great students, Jocelyn, she made a. Um, we watch a lot of film, a lot of video, a lot of media in our classes, and what have you. And she made a comment in reference to um, were there any subtitles because she was not understand she was hearing the words but didn't understand the words they were saying and didn't understand how to write the words. So I'm really big on vocab and what have you, and I take every opportunity I can to work with my kids to go over the vocab. Now, the thing that kind of was disappointing was when I found when I compiled the list of the words written by my students in reference to what they didn't understand, the results. I think outstanding isn't the word I want to use. I think the word just, I can't even find the word. That's how bad it was. We're talking basic words in terms of like yacht, um, wealth, uh, trifecta. We're just talking basic words. We're not talking deep words. We're just talking basic words. And when I asked 
my kids about why they were struggling with the word, um, it just it they couldn't give me an answer. That was the thing. They couldn't give me they couldn't give me an answer as to why they were struggling with the word. That was the thing. So what I've been doing lately is working on a lot of vocab, a lot of stuff, trying to get them up to you know up to speed of where they need to be. Now it's just not it's not just ninth graders. We're talking about um, tenth graders. We're talking about eleventh graders. We're talking about seniors. It's it's not good. So there was a little clip that took place. There was something online a little while ago. I'm going to play for you. Um, this guy walked around. He was asking people questions about just random questions. It was like I think 2010, something like that. And he was walking around and things like that. Now the thing is, let me tell you, let me share something with you. I actually played this clip for my students, right? But I didn't do it yet. I gave I gave my kids a test on geography and questions. I took the questions right out of the video and gave it to my kids to to articulate what have you. Okay, gave it to my kids to articulate. Oh my God! I saw the results. Results weren't good, but I didn't tell my kids yet. So I played the video and watched their reaction, how they were laughing and stuff like that, and what the kids were saying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you hear the video, and then we're going to come back with another one. And then I want to hear your comments if you're able to uh, – to, uh, I'm going to give you the call number in a second here. So I'm actually moving a server over from the window because there's too many people outside our windows shooting a movie, and they're blowing up things. Like, you know, uh, they're doing, like, pyrokinetics and stuff like that. Nothing nuclear, but just enough where I can hear it. So if I sound a little off at, for the first, first few uh, minutes here, that's the reason why, because it started literally as I logged on to my show. And now here I am trying to get some business done. So let's get this thing here clipped on, all right? This was done uh, some time ago. I want you guys to give this a listen. Now listen, I didn't make this up. You can go on YouTube. Um, you can look it up yourself. I'll give you the name of it if you want. And then later on, we'll play a little segment that involves Jay Leno and his great, you know how he tends to walk down the street and ask questions and stuff like that. We'll do that as well. So, Okay. I'm trying to figure out how to introduce things to introduce this stuff for you guys because I'm a little nervous about how this may be taken. So here we go. Let's have some fun. Hi, I'm Austin, and you are watching One Scholars, where we put the bright young minds of our student body to the test. Do you know the capital of Washington State? Seattle. Olympia. What is the capital of Washington State? Seattle. Olympia. Olympia. Can you name one Democratic candidate for the 2012 presidential campaign? No. Nope. You can't do that one either. Barack Obama, because he's running again, right? Do you know the Vice President of the United States? Definitely not. George Bush. George Bush is the Vice President? I'm the bald guy. He was going to run for it, and he has Clinton, right? Bill Clinton, the vice president, Bill, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yes. You did. Correcto. Sarah Palin? Yeah, I don't think that's right either. I don't think it is either. I don't know who it is. It's somebody Bin Laden. Uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden! Joe Biden! Is that right? Joe Biden. There you go. In what war did the U.S. gain its independence? Um, the, the British War, the Civil War, 
that one. That's that one. That one. <laughs> that one. The Civil War. <laughs> Civil War. I just did this, so I don't remember. I was never um, taught that knowledge. Uh, so I don't. Um, Civil War. That that thing, that war. I don't know. Tell you the truth. I how about I just give you a couple wars and you can pick from a list. Okay. All right, Korean War. <laughs> Korean War. Yes or no? Yes. The Korean War is when we gain our independence. Korean War. Civil War. Revolutionary War. Yeah. Revolutionary War. American Revolution. Yeah, American Revolution. You got a fist. That's the one. Can you name all of the countries that border the United States? South America. <laughs> oh. Boom. One. Mexico. Um, South Me Mexico and South America. America. Mexico and Canada. There's too many. So there's too many? Okay. <laughs> Canada? That's a state, never mind. Um, Mexico. Canada. Sure that's it. Can you think of a country that starts with the letter U? Um... Ukraine. Uganda. And Uruguay, you're famous. Uruguay. Uruguay's another one. This kid's thinking. Europe. That starts with an E. <laughs> Uzbekistan. Uh, that's all I can think of. United States. Or United States. I don't know. <laughs> Utopia. What country are we in? <laughs> oh, United States. United States starts with a U. Oh my god. How many stars are on the flag? 51. 51? Why? 51 states. Why? 52 states. 51 states. And how many stars are on the flag? 51. 51? No, 50. 52. 52. 53. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. Why, 50. Why is that? Because there's 50 states, two, 48 mainland, and two that are outside. One that is connected to Canada named Alaska, and one out in the sea named Hawaii. Thank you for watching. We hope you enjoyed our programming. Keep in mind, these students were caught off guard and out of the classroom. But they signed a legal document protecting us from any legal action. Also, my mom's a lawyer. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. If it was shocking for you, you can imagine how I'm feeling. Check it out. Before I forget, and I did forget, here's the number you want to give us a call, 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. All right, people, let's start a little trend here. Let's start a little play the dominoes, okay? Well, here's what's happening in the classroom, for the most part. Actually, is what's happening. A lot of students are feeling two things. They're entitled to, whatever they, to get whatever they want, or they know that people just pass them off, even if, even if they don't do the work. 
I've heard students, I've heard teachers say they've had students in middle school walk up to the teacher and say, you can't fail me. I've had students who actually gotten together with myself and other teachers asking us if we can get together to do what we have to do what we can to help the student pass the class. This is, you know, in June, even though the semester started back in January. Also what's happening is that a lot of students are thinking that they're entitled to a passing grade. Um, I don't think you should have failed me. It will come up often. Another refrain is, I don't think I deserve to fail. Well, you know, if you haven't turned in any work, you haven't done any homework, you never asked for any help, you never showed up, you never came for tutoring, exactly how exactly you think you're going to pass. Oh, wait a minute, that's right. What they're, they're thinking is that the parent will come up, will complain to the principal, the principal who, who you know, tries to avoid conflict, will cave in to the parents, will call the teacher in the room, and then will say to the, to the teacher in front of the students, okay, just uh, schedule an appointment where the student come and do makeup work. Now, the student's sitting there with a little smirk on their face. The parents happy they got what they want. The principal feels like, oh, they're doing that, you know, now they look like they, they're bossing people around. And the teacher's sitting there wondering, what the hell is going on here? Where's the support? So who ends up being punished at the end of the year? It's the teacher. Why? Because the teacher is, is, is giving grades to students who aren't worthy, but the principal is saying, no, you need to pass these kids. And God forbid the person, the sped child, oh, my God, you'd act as though there was like going to be a Supreme Court hearing if you fell one. Let me explain how this works, all right? Sometimes, you know, oftentimes we'll have kids in our classroom and they may have a learning issue or uh, um, uh, um, a learning challenge or whatever. So we get passports. All schools have them, so I'm just speaking on that basis. So it'll say uh, the student needs to sit closer to the, to the, to the, uh, the board or needs to sit in a certain way because they have a hearing issue in one ear. Um, they have to be given um, homework in a certain way that allows the process information, things along those lines. And that's no problem. This is understandable because that's just how, how it is, and that's how we should help all our kids in the classroom. Not those kids, as too many administrators like to say, uh, a lot of principals like to say, not those kids, our kids. All right? Let's get back to the groove here. So now what happens is this. You give, you're supposed to give extra time if that's necessary for our staff kids to um, get their assignment done. We can understand that. Here's the challenge. I know teachers that have gone over backwards to help out kids in their classroom who are challenged when it comes to learning, sped kids, what have you. Gone over backwards, extra time, what have you. Do you know what often happens? The kid fails. Because why? The kid feels like no matter what, you know, they don't have to feel that they don't have to do anything because at the end of the semester, that's because people are afraid to fail them, they'll get a passing grade. If it's a C, they don't care as long as it's a passing grade. Now, the teacher is standing there saying, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to get these kids ready for our, our kids ready for college, but yet we're still treating them like they're in middle school. Wait, they're in middle school. Because when they get to high school, they're still acting like they're in middle school. They want to have, you know, some kind of excuse why the work can't be done. There has to be some reason why it's the teacher's fault. And then oftentimes the parent will, will say, well, you know, my child, you know, needs to have this. My child needs to have that. My child needs to have this and that. And then what happens, the administration, especially, you know, particularly since a lot of schools' principals tend to avoid conflict, will just essentially give in to the parents. So they say, okay, you let me know what this kid needs to have, and I'll make sure the teacher does it. And the teacher's sitting there saying, because no teacher goes into a classroom wanting to fail anybody that I'm aware of, and I know none of my colleagues want to. But what's happening is that a lot of the kids, are, too many, too many sped kids, are thinking that they're entitled to a grade where if they just, if you, if the accommodations are being made, then it's on the child to understand that look, you have to work for this grade as well. There's a partnership here. I give the work, you do the work. I help, I give the work and help you do the work. You take the work and ask for help with the work. Because what's happening is that a lot, of these, a lot of our kids in this situation are graduating and they're thinking they're going to go to college. Then what happens, they get to college if they get in. Because the whole process involves the college essay, which a lot of seniors feel is the, is the kiss of death, you know, involves the college interview, which for a lot of um, seniors is 
the death itself. And for a lot of folks, when they get to school, they realize the teachers there will put out the work, give out the work, try to help the work, and give uh, office hours after school, what have you. But it's up to the student to do the work, and it's up to the student to do, you know, to do what they have to do to pass. But what's happening right now, let me give you a description of, what I, what, of, of the show, and we talk about it. The majority of today's high school students seem to embrace failure as an option because they either, one, feel that they will be bailed out by a teacher because of pressure to give the students a passing grade, or two, they will always be served by a society that has conditioned them to think that society will wait on them hand and feet, thereby the student doesn't have to do anything. Kind of like a diner in a restaurant waiting to be served by the waiter waitresses. I've seen the future of this country in classrooms, and it's frightening. Yet, are too many today's students doing what the school system has conditioned them to do? Well, let's talk about it. And we are talking about it. Because I'm always wondering, we know what the student is doing, but at what point does the school system have to take the blame for this? Because people, human nature is, for the most part, people will do what they can get away with. And I don't know a lot of students that just want to sit there and, and want to be a failure in life. But what's happening is that we have too many people, too many systems, too many schools making excuses why kids can't succeed instead of, instead of giving reasons why they can succeed. Here's an example that came up some time ago. In fact, let me give you a clip of uh, Jay Leno walking down the street first, and then I'll come back, and we're going to talk about this situation that involved um, uh, GPAs being raised at school and the reaction from the Black Coach Association. It's it's Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, not yet, not yet. I want to get back to this because this is just too important. A couple of days ago, there was an organization. Uh, it's case at this moment. I'll see if I can find it for you while we're talking at the same time here. But what happened is an organization. It was a, it was a division of, of an athletic division that wants to raise a GPA. And what it was saying that if a kid takes a class in the first grade, I'm um, the first grade in ninth grade, and they pass the class, they don't have the option of taking the class again to get a higher grade. Also. If they've taken a certain set amount of classes, they definitely do not have the option to take another class, um, take the class again to get a higher grade. Also, they raised the GPA, I think, from 2.0 to like 2.5 or what have you, it was a 2.8. And, you know, things, they want to make it very rigorous. They want to make it rigorous because they want our kids, uh, don't use the word rigorous in some schools because rigorous sometimes means getting the homework on time, and that's what some schools don't want to hear. But anyways, so what happened is that this organization um, put up the mandate to all the schools. This group that was an associate, it was an association. I'll try to find it during our next audio check here. But this association that involved black coaches went out, lost their minds at that proposal. Lost their minds at that proposal. Why? They were feeling it was going to hurt the kids' future if they were going to raise the GPA and not give them a chance to redo the class down the road. I am not lying. This came out two days ago. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a clip here about education from our governor. Um, about education, and then I'm going to see if I can locate that article for you, and I'm going to read it to you on air, because people, I am telling you, this, this is true, an organization of black coaches came out and said to raise the GPA and to have that kind of rigor is, can jeopardize our children's future. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Oh, my God. Let's get on with this of 1.3 billion people competing for the American dream. Today, the new international reading, math, and science scores were released, and Chinese students left American teens in the dust in all three categories. We kept thinking all day of this scene we saw from our journey in China. These are third-grade students pausing to massage their heads for relief. 
because they said they study so hard and they need to relax. In the third grade, David Muir and I were talking about it. We traveled to China together. David. And Diane, these numbers are stunning for the entire world. The Shanghai Center, you could call it. In fact, our own education secretary called the results, the words that Diane used, a wake-up call. Our president is calling for a modern-day Sputnik moment to catch up. Tonight's new numbers reveal what Diane and I just witnessed a couple of weeks back in China. Nearly 500,000 15-year-olds from all over the world took the test. The top five scores in math, Shanghai, China, Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea, and Taiwan. And way down the list in 30th, the U.S. In science, again, Shanghai, China at the top. Then Finland, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Japan. And down at 20th, the U.S. And in reading, Shanghai, China again, and the others. And down at 17th, the U.S. In our travels to China, it was everywhere, that laser focus on education. This public school in Shanghai, where the children were two years old. By three, they're at school from eight until four, already learning phrases in English. And the older kids wondered from Diane if the reverse was true back here in the U.S. Can you speak Chinese? No, I can say ni hao. On average, Chinese students attend 41 more days of school every year. And with some attending classes on the weekends, it amounts to 30% more hours of instruction every year, too. China, and now much of Asia, firmly sees a future beyond those factories. Nobody wants to be the shoe manufacturer of the world. Everybody wants to be in the scientific and technical sector. It's a global turning point the U.S. has faced before. 1960, then-candidate John F. Kennedy frustrated that the Soviets at that moment seemed to be winning the space race. The first vehicle in space which called Sputnik, not Vanguard. Money was poured into math and science. Less than a decade later, we put a man on the moon. With these test scores, now a new call from this president. Fifty years later, our generation's Sputnik moment is back. And it's not just Asia, Finland too. Diane discovered that firsthand last year, learning that every elementary school teacher there must have a master's. Half of American teachers do. And by the seventh grade, every finished child will have learned three languages. They start physics and chemistry in middle school. Physics and chemistry in middle school. And one other number we were stunned to learn about today comes from a new Stanford study that found if American students were able to raise their performance on this international test by just about 5%, it would translate into $41 trillion in the U.S. economy over just the next 20 years, Diane. Just a 5% increase in how we do. We did it before. We can do it again. Yeah, but the problem is this. It, come back to, it comes back to the students again, all right? First off, not all Chinese students are killing it. They, you know, it's, a, it's a, a country that's dedicated to education, dedicated to testing and stuff like that. But that's, you know, the one thing we have to be very careful is comparing our kids to a lot of kids in China because the whole culture is different. Also, there's a lot of fraud when it comes to you know, fake college recommendation letters, fake grades, fake report cards, and all kinds of stuff, where you have 8,000 Chinese students being kicked out of university uh, this last year. So let's not make it think it's up in them. But it comes back to what exactly is the student's responsibility in the classroom. That's the thing. They're supposed to do the work, but yet the work is so, is so rigorous where the kid complains because they don't have a week to do a one-page essay, then the, 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 the teacher is being asked to water down the lesson. And I know so many teachers just over the last couple of weeks who have left teaching because they see what this system is doing to our kids, but the problem is that our kids seem to, take, seem to want it that way, which is very odd to me. Now, because people will say, well, you know, it has to do with the parents. Okay, yes, there are some parents that don't value educa education, what have you. But I have a lot of parents who value, value, value education, but yet, our kids are still, yet the child is still failing.
Now, people will say, well, maybe it's the way you're teaching the class. Well, you know, I teach my class in four different ways, audiovisual, hands-on, and moving about with lots of lot of kinetic energy, what have you. So I cover the basis. But what I just noticed is that, here's an example. Great final exams are coming in the next, couple, uh, uh, the next week and a half. And I've had students, I know one particular student, we'll call her Susan, came to me two days ago. She fell in my class, right? She was outside where her, I do after-school tutoring, and, I, you know, most oftentimes the law students will show up, uh, ninth grade, or 10th grade, what have you. Now, what happened is this. She came into my class on Friday to sit down. She left volleyball practice to come in and asked me, what can she do about getting her grade up? And I'm sitting there saying to myself, she, she should be sitting here asking for tutoring. Instead, she's at volleyball practice. And then when I had a conversation about, well, this is what's going to happen to the final X, Y, and Z, she said, okay. Talks about her, you know, some guy that's, you know, stressing her out, whatever. And then she goes back to volleyball practice. You know, as, it, seems like, as, it seems as though people are looking at kids for how they benefit them, the, the, the adults, and kids are looking at adults on how it can benefit them, the kids. Because I've had situations where I've had athletes knowing that they're failing, knowing that they're failing, still will go play sports because they pay the, the, the athletic fee, $100, heaven. $200, never will come for help, never will do anything, won't come at, anytime I have free time, these other teachers say the same thing, won't come for help, won't come for tutoring, nothing. Yet, when it's time to play sports, they'll bring in their sports attire. When it's time to uh, go for practice, they'll leave for practice. When it's time to leave early for a class to go play a game, they'll leave early for a class to go play a game. Even though they're failing the class, that's what gets me. Even though they're failing the class, and that's the problem with this situation. No one sees the home the, the students accountable. So my thing is, what exactly do students dream about when it comes to their future? Are they thinking of fails all the time? Or they think about fails that are only temporary because they know if they complain, they file, file some false report that kids are, you know, teachers aren't teaching, what have you, that they might get the grade change. Right now in LAUSD in California, in well, Los Angeles, if a student is failing and you haven't called, contacted their parent or guardian to let them know that they're failing, you cannot give that student an F. You must make that grade a, a C. Let me say that again. If the student is failing your class and you haven't been able to speak to the parents or the guardians, never mind you have about 200 students, but you haven't been able to speak to the parents or guardians, you cannot fail that child. You have to give them a C instead. What do you think the child's thinking when that happens? I'm always going to get my way. Nobody's going to fail me. And if I do fail, someone's going to bail me out. Can you believe that? So are our students always thinking like it's going to be like that? Do they, our students, too many of our students feel like people will just bail them out? You know, do they feel like they have some excuse that that's okay? Do they really just consider, do they consider school just an optional thing or, can, or an inconvenience? Or is it what happens? Do they always think about, you know, are they always thinking that when they go to college or a job, they will be bailed out? Let's see what Governor Christie has to say about this. The education system in our country, while there are successes, um, is in the main failing many, many millions of families in our country. And any one of these CEOs out here knows that the only way that American companies or international companies that work in America 
are going to continue to be able to thrive is that educated workforce. And that doesn't start when you get to college. And so, you know, I think it's, it is the defining issue of our time, uh, what we're going to do with the education system in America. It used to define us as the best. It's now defining us as mediocre. Is it producing results already? Are you getting better results, better school scores, better satisfaction among parents? And- in certain places we are, and in other places it's too soon to tell. Uh, because, for instance, you look at, at a city like the city of Newark, our largest city, um, we pay $24,000 per pupil per year for the public education in Newark. And two years ago, the graduation rate was 23%. Now, I don't know how you define failure. I That's pretty good, you know. Uh, in Asbury Park, where I held my election night um, celebration, we pay $30,000 per pupil per year. And two years ago, less than 50% of the young people who graduated from Asbury Park High School could read at the eighth grade level. So, uh, you know, uh, somehow with the teachers union, this is a debate about whether that's failure or not. My opponent, who was um, endorsed by the teachers union, when said, when it was pointed out to her that we have 200 failing schools in New Jersey, her response was, that's not a bad percentage. And, and they asked me for my response, and my response was, that sounds like someone who's never sent their children to one of those schools. Because if you send your children to one of those schools, it's an obscenity. And so, you know, that's the difference between, in my view at this point, the Republican view of what needs to be done with education in America and the Democrat slash teachers union view, which is the status quo is fine and we'll eventually get to fixing those places. If your kid's in that classroom, eventually it's not good enough. Let's have a little conversation about Jersey and students. And students, I'm going to talk to you because I don't want this to be a situation where I'm just talking to the adults because somewhere out there I have a lot of students listening to what I'm talking about. And I really want our kids to do that. Mark Zuckerberg put in $100 million he donated to the uh, New Jersey school system about two years back. Two years later, there's no results. Nothing has changed. A hundred million dollars. So it was a big celebration, what have you. Everybody was happy about it. But that's Governor Christie. That's Mark Zuckerberg. That's the teachers. Let's talk to the students directly. This is how life really works out there in the real world. The real world doesn't really care. All right? There's a lot of great people out there, but when it comes to business, the only thing they care, like Mr. Wonderful said, is making money. Can you produce? That's it. A lot of you students out there feel that you're entitled to get a passing grade just because you showed up. You think you're entitled to a passing grade just because you hurt your finger. You think you're entitled to a passing grade just because you're, you're nice and you smile to the teacher. You think you're entitled to a passing grade because someone before this, that current teacher has passed you along because it wasn't that they wanted to. They were told that they had to or they'd risk their job. This is true, students out there, okay? Now, right now, wherever you're sitting, your competition isn't your circle of friends. Your competition is sitting in a room right now. Maybe it might even be you doing this. Is sitting in a room right now, killing to get their homework done, working hard to get their homework turned in, emailing their professors or teachers, asking questions, how do I do this, how do I do that, can I come to you tomorrow after school or during lunch to get some advice. That's what's happening. What you're doing is you're sitting around and you're thinking, you're, you're, you're so narcissistic, which means you have a self, you have such an exaggerated sense of self, you feel that you're old, that the, the, the grade of A, because your good looks and your smile and your glowing personality dictates those. It doesn't work like that. 
there's a reason why you don't see advertisements on TV from Yale, Harvard, Columbia, NYU, Stanford, UPenn, and the Caltech or MIT. They're like Rolls Royces. They don't have to advertise because they know that people understand the valuation of their brand, and people will flock to get into those schools. Stanford's acceptance rate is 5.03%. They beat Harvard by 0.02%, okay? It doesn't make a difference what school you go to. It really comes down to you. When people are telling you what to, to expect, don't sit there and blow it off or listen to your loser friends who are failing the class or, have, or are not graduating along with you. Sit there and ask yourself, is this person telling me something that I need to know that people have not told me all this time. Because, student, I'm going to tell you straight up, you're being set up for failure. Now, you're always thinking you're going to fail. Because you know why I say that? Because you always say always, okay? You don't want to fail a class, but you don't want to do what's necessary to not, pa- to not fail the class. And I'm not talking about not, you know, not passing with, a, with, you know, you have a C, so now you have a passing grade. I'm talking about with an A. When it comes to sports, you're there. When it comes to practice, you're there. When it comes to tryouts, you're there. And I've seen teachers, I have a lot of friends on different campuses, I've seen teachers after school, sitting in their classroom, after telling all their students that they're offering tutor, tutoring, and what happens? No one shows up. I have seen this. I walk over, take a look outside, and what do I see? The kids practicing, and these are students who are failing. Now, school athletic rules, I believe uh, the CIF in California and uh, Texas and across the country, they all have rules about students should be playing with a minimum GPA, right? It should not be failing. But what happens too often, student will leave a class early, they will play sports, and they won't, they won't send an email asking what they need to do, uh, what assignments they miss. They won't talk to their classmates what they miss. And then when they take a test, they fail. And then they'll come to you, the student. And yes, student, you know what I'm talking about because a lot of you students do it out there. And you do it in your schools. You'll walk up and you'll say, well, I wasn't here when you covered this. And you'll say to them, and I say to you, it was your responsibility to make sure you found what you missed. It was your responsibility to reach out to myself or your classmates to find out what you missed. And if, you wasn't, if you're not comfortable understanding what you missed, then the teacher is here to help you. Do you know what happens, people? You, the student, you don't show up. You put it on the, you put it on the, you know, the Mr. Trans and the Miss Levines and the Miss Whites of the world or whatnot, and the Miss Alvarados in the world, or the Mr. Alessandro. The, there's a protest outside my window, so this is actually appropriate. Hmm. What are they protesting? Anyway, let me get back to my groove. I'm always looking for always a protest. This is what's happening. Teachers are coming in early. Teachers are going to meetings. People free day when you're out there playing around, hanging with your friends. You know what your teachers are doing? They're sitting in a meeting that's supposed to be professional development, and the only thing that's getting developed is they're, they're annoying for professional development. That's it. They're not trying. No, I don't know any teacher that comes into the, um, into the, in, into the field because, you know, teachers are calling, wanting to fail a student. But you somehow feel that if you come late, you can get makeup work. Now, that's not fair to the students who broke their back. I have some spare kids who are killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it, because they want to pass. And they're taking advantage of every situation where they can ask for help. They want to pass because that passing rate means so much. Yet, you, the one out there with the ass, the one out there who thinks you're going to play NBA even though you're 5'1", the one out there that weighs like, you know, that, that thinks you're going to run track like your Usain Bolt because you can barely even catch the dash bus across the street. Let me tell you something. It's not going to happen, all right? You're always thinking of failure because deep down you feel that you are a failure. 
But let me tell you what's happening. All you're doing is making those feelings true. There's not a teacher out there that I, I know a few, but there's not a teacher out there that wants to fail a student. But you're sitting there like you're at a restaurant waiting to be served, like it's about you. You don't really contribute anything to society overall. You may work. You may make some money. You may help out the house. But a lot of your teachers have children your age, and they have to focus on them. So my thing is to you, the student, who's out there thinking that you're entitled to a passing grade, who's out there feeling that, you know, you're further than you really are, who's out there saying that they're going to go to college, though they have no idea how they're graduating with a GPA of 1.7, the student out there who feels that they can do homework when they feel like it, and if they don't get what they want, they can cry to the principal and thinking and are used to the principal always telling the teacher what to do. Let me explain to you what's happening. Reckoning is coming. This isn't for my kids out there who are killing it. This is for the majority out there who somehow feel that they shouldn't fail a class. And if they do fail a class, well, let me explain to you this phrase of insanity and how it ties into what we're talking about. One of my kids wants to know what the phrase, um, insanity is doing the same thing the same way and experiencing a different result each time. And so she didn't understand what that meant. So I explained to her, she still didn't understand what that meant. I gave the example of a student who's studying for a test. After going over stuff in class, takes the test, gets a 60%, complains that they failed. Teacher says, come ask for help. Next test is coming around, more material. Kid studies on his own, the way he said before, takes the test, gets a 50%, gets upset, doesn't understand why he failed, talks to the teacher, teacher says, come for help. Next thing you know, more work in the class. Another test is coming, kid takes a test, gets a grade of 40, gets really upset and frustrated, doesn't understand why they're failing, goes to the teacher, complains. The teacher says, come get some help. Students will show up. Students have find up this tryouts out there for, for sports. They go try out. They know they have a test coming up. They don't study. They take the test. They get a 40. They take another test. They get a 30. They take another test. They get a 10. And I use this after her saying, the kid was doing the same thing each time and was failing. And at no point did the kid think about, maybe I should go get some help. That is a true scenario across this country when it comes to education. All right? When it comes to education. There are schools out there who are killing it. They're not, trying, they're not, take, they're not playing it easy. They really want to get our kids ready for success, higher education, entrepreneurship, or whatever. But what's happening is that so many kids, for example, I had one kid say to me, um, asked, why don't you go for help? The kid said, you know, because I felt I was going to go over this in class. And I'm like, why would you do that? He says, I feel, I, feel more, I feel comfortable with that. And I said, you're failing the class. How are you comfortable with that? Why? Because he's doing the same thing that results in his grade being the same way. I have always told my kids, and teachers do as well, that if you want help, come for help. But somehow, I'm wondering if there's a fear in a lot of our kids, in reference to they're not as they feel that they don't deserve to be as far along as they need to be. Maybe they don't deserve to be or deserve to acquire wealth and stuff like that, like a lot of other people dream about. I wonder. I don't know what it is, but I have that theory sometimes because I've seen a lot of my gifted kids, a lot of my kids, they come back. I'm really happy to see my kids. They talk about school, what's going on, and we talk about how, you know, the class helped them out. But when I look at the ninth graders, across this country, particularly Southern California, 
and I see some of the essays where I'm at a meeting with my a fellow teacher at something, and I see their grading essays, and we switch papers, and we just, you know, take a look at each other's papers, and we both have the same reaction, my God, how the kid get to ninth grade? But then you ask yourself, how the kid make it to 12th grade and they're graduating? It's nothing good. So, people, I'm going to leave it there. Look, high school students, what are you dreaming about? Are you really dreaming about success? Are you really dreaming about graduating? Or is it something that you want? There's a big difference between want and need because what you want to do is not working. What you need to do, you don't want to do. So when you get to fail, you think it's the teacher's fault. You think it's the school's fault. It's always somebody else's fault, but it really comes down to you. Nobody, I don't want my kids failing. But what I'm seeing out there is that they're just thinking that showing up to class and being nice and, you know, winking the eye or smile, whatever, is going to be just, is going to suffice enough to pass the class. It doesn't work like that. That's not life. So my thing is, these fails that you have will catch up with you at a job or in school, somewhere in life. When you get onto the world of working, college, or both, you will find very quickly they don't care about excuse. They only care about results, and that's it, because there's already someone ready to take your place. People of the world, Saiki Kessler, the Binga, live on direct from California. Hope all is well. Let's take you out with a little bit of music here. Have fun. See you next Sunday. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.